When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I interview Ashley Stahl, who is a counter-terrorism professional turned highly sought-after career coach, Forbes blogger and author on a mission to help job seekers step into a career that lights them up. But before we talk about this, I just want to remind you that this podcast is for educational purposes and if you have medical needs, please contact the appropriate medical professional. Just before we begin as well, I want to tell you that because it's Mental Health Month, we have a fantastic special for you. My two most recent books, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess and 101 Ways to Be Less Stressed, we are selling as a special for $30 and you save yourself $11. And this is an amazing way to help you have an amazing mental health month. And now on to today's podcast. Ashley, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. We had such a great conversation before when you interviewed me on your podcast. So that was a while back. And thank you so much. And it's lovely to talk to you again. And I'm excited to talk to you about your book, fantastic book. And I'm excited to talk to you about your story as well. You have a great story. And before we begin, do you mind introducing yourself to the viewers and listeners who don't know you and to start by telling your story? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. As far as my story goes, I feel like I was a lot like a lot of people where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one thing I didn't know at the time was that when I was in college, you know, I didn't realize 27% of people use their college degree, which means the majority of people don't. And so when I was making that decision, I felt intimidated. I felt stressed out by the idea that I have to know what I want to do. And it's interesting because as humans, we're low, we're growing organisms. We change all the time. Yes. It almost doesn't make sense to me looking back that it's like the social equivalent of what we're doing to people in their career is saying the first person you have a crush on in preschool, marry them. That's (laughs) what we're doing to people in their career. And so for me, I felt that pressure. And I remember going to the career services office and saying, you know, what do I do? What do I major in thinking this was a huge commitment? And she said all the three worded like directives that we all hear, like do what you love, follow your passion, (laughs) you know, follow your bliss. I literally left feeling more lost than I'd ever felt before. And it sent me on this journey where I just kind of committed to three majors, not because I was an overachiever, but because I was indecisive. Yeah. And my dad, you know, I grew up in a house where the news was always on. And from a very young age, I knew what was happening in the world just because every Sunday without fail, my dad would be arguing with my uncles on the opposite side of the political aisle (laughs) of what the world should look like. Uh. And so for better or for worse, I had an opinion and it just felt natural for me to commit to national security because I grew up in the era of 9-11. And, you know, every generation has defining moments. Obviously, the pandemic has affected everyone Mm -hmm. in one way or another. I think the way it's uniquely affected Gen Z is kind of similar to how 9-11 affected Gen Y, which is the millennial generation. Mm -hmm. It very much so came during a formative time where they were in college or entering the job market and Mm -hmm. there was extreme instability and it really defined an era for them. And so for Mm -hmm. me, I had family on the East Coast during 9-11 and I kind of grew up as a nurturer. Mm -hmm. You know, my... My little brother was a slower learner than me, and I was always kind of very protective of him on the playground. Like, if anybody Mm -hmm. bullied him, it was like, you're going to mess with me. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) I always had a soft spot for people who are struggling. I had a sister who grew up with mental health issues, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it just really taught me to go out of your way for people. And so me committing to national security was this odd blend of my dad, my upbringing, what I was exposed to and interest I had, and then who I was being a nurturer and thinking the highest level of me helping people feel safe is national security. So that's what I'm going to do. Wow. So I ended up giving everything to that career path and I graduated during the recession and couldn't get a job. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's, it was, 
That no, makes sense. I mean, it's such an important, you know, career. If you think of it, such a specialized career, you'd think, wow. Yeah. Well, and also I think a lot of people choose paths that make them feel significant sometimes and not necessarily paths that make them feel like they're being who they are. And that's really what my book and my work is about is instead of saying, I need clarity, I think really saying, I need to get connected to myself because when I can feel what feels good and I'm, I'm, activated and I'm alive, it becomes really easy to understand what you're great at, what's a fit for you, what's not. You can feel that. And so Oh yeah, that's a great part of mental health. I mean, that is mental health. Yeah, Huge you're part so of right. It. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're disconnected, just everything's really tough. And a lot of people will ask me, you know, what do I do when I feel unclear? And it's like just connect to yourself. Don't go look for answers of what you need to do next. Just make a list of people, places, things that make you feel you again. Cause when you feel you, everything gets a lot easier. Like that's so good. Yeah. I have have so many girlfriends who are amazing. There's a couple of them in particular where if I see them, I'm me again by the end of the conversation. Mm, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I personally find shopping in a store stressful, especially for groceries. I'm always trying to find the best deals and healthiest foods and products for my family, including my two new puppies, and often feel overwhelmed. Thankfully, since I started using Thrive Market, an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone, I feel so much more relaxed mentally and physically. Thrive Market has made working from home and my daily life easier by providing organic and essential groceries, clean beauty products, safe supplements, non-toxic home supplies, ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more at the click of a button, which has made balancing work, home life, fitness, eating, healthy, and keeping my family and puppies entertained so much easier. One of my favorite things about Thrive Market is their flexible membership plans. You can get a one-month membership for $9.95 a month or 12-month membership for $5 a month, billed at $5.95. And all of the orders of $49 and more are shipped for free and delivered with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses. And when you join Thrive Market, you give back. Through Thrive Gives, their one-for-one membership matching program, every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. How amazing is that? Join Thrive Market today to get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com slash drleaf. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash drleaf to get the exclusive offer of $20 off your first order and a free gift. You can't get this offer anywhere else. Go to thrivemarket.com slash drleaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. And then there's others that you with that you kind of think, gosh, that was such an effort. It didn't feel like I was, I was having to be someone else the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And life's so short. And, and for me, not being able to get a job when I graduated, I kind of bought into the myth that a lot of people buy into that I had to take what I could get. And I ended up after sleeping on my parents' couch and, you know, my bedroom turned into a fitness center by the time I was done with graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up just saying something's better than nothing. Like I need to be in motion in my life. I need to be in momentum. And it was painful because I felt like this wasn't the career path for me. I was making minimum wage, couldn't pay to live in LA, which is where I'm from. And that pain drove me into one elegant idea. And I contacted my college and I said, can you give me a list of any alumni who have moved to Washington, D.C., which is, you know, what I studied. I figured everybody there is the government. And they ended up sending me back 2,000 names and emails. And I just worked my way through that list. I called every single person. I emailed every single person, fell on my face, didn't know how to talk to people, always was saying the wrong thing. But I guess, thankfully, I had a really good relationship with failure. I didn't make it mean that I had to stop or that I wasn't cut out to do this, which is what the game is, you know? And yeah, yeah. And it taught me like life is a numbers game, you know, like life is a sifting process, like dating, marriage is sifting. You're sifting through your options. So is your career. And kind of just going back to what I said, it's like, we're told to just pick something and grow it, you know, like marry your first crush or your first job. It it doesn't even make sense for the fact that not at all organisms growing all the time. So ended up working my way through the list, getting a bunch of job offers in Washington, DC. And on the periphery of 
falling on my face, learning how to talk, fixing my resume a thousand times. I learned how to be an amazing job hunter. And I, I want to stop you there for one second because you said yeah. all those things that all that the journey of yeah. that whole process was very messy, but in that you learn to grow and repair. That's a statement I make often that in the mess you grow and repair. And you did yep. that. That's a learning process because I know when people talk on interviews and talk about their books, the people listening and viewing often think, okay, well, you know, you got this so quickly, but there was this really long fall on your face 2000 times in the emails to, you know, say it right, say it wrong, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you've encapsulated that wisdom into here. And then people read this, they're going to have that wisdom, but they're going to also go through their own messy learning experience to be able to work out what that means in their life. You know, there's no quick fix solution, which is so important for mental health too, because people might listen and think, oh, wow, you know, I'm just going to apply this and then it's going to be great. And then their mental health suffers too. But it's a process, a journey. So you're also teaching people the journey of the whole learning process of getting into the right career. And to and don't, you know, if you fall down and it doesn't work, get up again, keep going, don't give up. Yeah, it's, it's I love that you're sharing that because I truly believe after writing this book and coaching hundreds of people, one-on-one, thousands in courses, podcasting, I really believe that your career is a vehicle for your self-actualization in some love way. That. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's an experiment. That mm, can totally. I love that. Where you are. And I find that there's too many people, you know, and obviously like working in counterterrorism and accepting a job and then kind of learning on the sidelines that I was so great at job hunting. So many friends would come to me and I remember they'd said, you should be a career coach. I was, I didn't even know what that meant. All I knew was like a sports coach. So I was like, what do they do? Like sit on the sidelines of your job and like pat your back. And so eventually I started my business. And I think that's what's so important is that I felt so many times in graduate school, especially that I was too sensitive for national security. And there's no shame in that, you know, like, and And it ended up being the case. And I just didn't know for sure. But there was something inside of me, even knowing that, even noticing in my graduate lectures, like, there's something different about me. These people are so alive and passionate about politics. I'm like, good after the lecture is over to talk about something else. And I I noticed that on myself. But I still felt called to follow it anyway, without knowing for sure it was my forever. And I think it's so important for anyone to give themselves that permission. Because when you follow what feels good, And obviously, like we were talking about earlier, you have to be able to feel what feels good. And that takes a lot of work. There's so much purpose and opportunity that comes to you on the periphery of that. It it almost feels to me like there's three lily pads in the world for your career. The first lily pad is, and I've just found this over the years, it's the people who don't like what they're doing, or maybe they're fine, which whenever I hear somebody that feels fine, I just think you're not in touch with your pain. Nobody wants to be fine. And, you know, they don't want to change their career because it's too inconvenient or too costly or too burdensome to go figure out who they are, what they really want. And they're want. scared. I think a lot of people are scared yeah. because of all the implications financially and just change in general. People are very scared of. 100%. And then the second lily pad is where I try to get people with my work. So the argument in my book is don't do what you love. Don't follow your passion. It all matters. It's all relevant. But what matters most is to do what you are. And I have in the book 10 core skill sets that I think really are different gifts that people have. And when you can really tune into those different core gifts and figure out which one do I really radiate naturally just by being me. And when you can do that, that gets you over to the second lily pad, which is what I wrote my book for. And when you're there, what happens, it's actually quite common sense, is when you're doing what you're great at, people really want help from people who are great at something. Yes. People notice. And it's, it's actually quite noticeable in the workforce as an entrepreneur. You can see when somebody's good at something. Mm-hmm. Even for me, my core skill set on my list is words. And I remember my first job when I was 16 was at a preschool. And mm-hmm. I was helping the chef give meals to the kids. I was like, you know, summer job. And yeah. I would always find typos on their brochures. And I would always go to the front desk. You guys have a typo. You misspelled that. So words were kind of shining through me as a skill had. From a young age, and everybody does have something like that. I used to think it was kind of silly when self-help people would say, "Oh, everybody has a special gift." I I was kind of in this like realistic mindset. I would say, "Well, maybe some people don't. Maybe some people are just here and they're enjoying life." But I really do believe so. Everybody has something, and it was shining through for me at a young age, and and I harnessed that. And so, when you're in that second lily pad where you know what your gift is, you're using it. You are. It's like a river current. You start attracting. 
networking opportunities left, right, front, center, you know, all over. And you start getting to pick from them because you are somewhat actualized. You're working in something you know you're great at. You're making an impact. People, people feel like they get ROI from you. And you're not pushing a river. You're not trying to be someone else. You're being you. That's the best mm, part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you work from there, I found what happens is you have an opportunity to kind of swim over to that third lily pad. And that one, not everyone makes it over to, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the lily pad of like Dharma and purpose and soul work. And it's, it's, a, it's a place that I didn't even know existed until I wrote my deeply book. satisfying. It's deeply satisfying. Yeah, it's deeply moving. It's satisfying. Like your work is living through you and you're not doing it. It's a very special place. And I don't put pressure on myself to be there all the time. But when I wrote my book, I remember thinking, wow, this is like a really incredible place to work from. I can't even imagine getting to be here. And now when I watch the news and I see certain athletes at the top of their game or people that are working from something even bigger than themselves, I can see it because I've hung out on the third really You've hung out on the third. I love that. I, I so relate to that too. It's like sometimes I can be like really overwhelmed with life and things like we all get, you know, it's totally normal. And then I'll come and do an interview or I'll do some research or work on my clinical trials. And there's just that sense of like you go beyond you know you just go into that zone and it's just yeah that's third lily pad you know that and it's just such so satisfying and you can feel that healing and it's so interesting you should say that because that third lily pad not everyone maybe gets to that but you can get to that in various different ways in various points in your life and it's a great goal to get towards because it's incredibly healing for the mind and the brain it's an incredibly important way of building resilience as well and against the the knocks of life that will come that are going to come to have those zones because they're kind of like protective that almost where you can have your time out to grow a little bit and catch your resilience and catch your breath and you know come back again i don't know that's how i would see it i don't know if that's if that's what you were even saying but when you when you said that i was thinking thinking about that it's healing to be you at the highest level of yourself it's healing to get paid in the physical world or maybe you don't get paid but you're met or you create a movement that is such an inner outer harmony between you and the world around you and beautiful Mm -hmm. and you know I do feel like I'm not sure how to get people into their dharma, like truly that high level. What I'm sure about is how to help somebody figure out what is my gift. And that's why in chapter two, I have these 10 core skill sets. And, and I could go through any of them if helpful. Definitely. We can be, can definitely pick, pick, pick some up just so that people know. So we're talking about the book, You Turn, and it's Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. So we're talking about your sort of, I mean, I literally link mental health and career. It's the same because you're doing it most of your day. So it's super important that it, that you don't feel, oh, I hate eight, eight, eight hours of my day, but that you don't, you know, you look, oh my gosh, 12 hours have gone by. I better take a rest. You know, that kind of switch when you're in that third lily pad, second and third lily pad, it becomes like that. So part one, you talk about you, you, the, the U-turn, part two, turn signals, and then part three, rerouting, and part four, the highway to happiness. So maybe give us a big picture of, well, you've kind of done the part one. You've done part one, the, mm-hmm. the U-turn. Yeah, the U-turn, well, the definition of it. So anybody listening, it's a Y-O-U-turn. I think far too often in our career, we become these pendulums where, you know, you date the guy or woman, you know, in a rock band, and then they're on the road all the time. And then you date the super secure person that, it doesn't move anywhere and they're very grounded and earthy. And it's like, we're always in these pendulums. And so the U-turn is instead of making a, a U-turn, like you're driving, it's a wire U-turn. You come home to yourself. You get radically honest with yourself about something that's not working for you. And in order for you to even be able to change your life, you obviously need to admit where something isn't working. And so that's the U-turn. And the second part is turn signals. And the turn signals is all about all of the signs that you might not have noticed earlier in your life that were taking you towards who you truly are and me helping you see what those signs were. And then rerouting part three of the book is really about now that I see all of this, who do I actually want to be? And I understand that the theory of sunken cost is so real, you know, but I just want to remind anybody listening that your career, your degree, it's here to serve you. Like you're not here to serve it. You're not here to be a hostage of your career. And, and then the final part of the book, Highway to Happiness. And obviously I had to like withhold myself from making too many car references in a book called U-Turn. <laughs> like that's a stop sign. You know, like I just couldn't really- well, it works. It does work. So <laughs> Yeah. So the Highway to Happiness for me was a really interesting final way to close out the book is that, that final U-Turn of 
recalibrating and realizing that maybe you're a couple millimeters off. I think most people are truly a couple millimeters off. Like every career path, whether you want to work in government or fashion or whatever, it's like a pie. It's a big pie, many different slices. And I think what happens is that people take one slice of a pie and it doesn't taste right. So maybe you want to work in fashion, you know, and you're being vague about it because you're passionate about fashion, which is very common because we were told to follow our passion. And so yes, it's, a little bit over, it's a little bit overtraded that concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. There's a tool on Google called the Ngram. And what it does is it assesses how much a word exists in our culture based on how much it appears in Google. And the phrase, follow your passion from the 1980s into the millennium, it just skyrockets and it became a norm, a norm piece of advice. Yeah, it, it gets into a myth. It becomes a myth where it gets used so often. It's not even, what does it even mean? I mean, it's like, you've got to be so careful because it sounds so end game as you, you know, to use your terminology. It sounds so like a physical thing that I've got to get there. And then the whole process in between is like this blur and yeah. there's no happiness here because that's the only thing that counts, you know, and, and then people get all this guilt and, and what, what is my passion? There's just so much, find your passion. It's like, there's so much pressure. Meanwhile, yeah. it's very organic and it could be a multitude of different things in it'll change and it's so I like your your flow of your philosophy flow attitude mindset whatever of rather find out who you are first your identity is kind of rather determined and you know in within the direction because obviously the, you're drawn to a certain thing like as you said fashion or politics or government or education or something like that or medicine but so you find your pie the actual big pie kind of area and even then you can swap there's no reason why you can't swap those because there's, there may be a concept within that so exactly. like you went into like, government and but you're now guiding people through the process of the philosophy the lessons you learned. You've translated that into kind of a different career kind of thing. Yeah. So you've flowed into another circle. Exactly. It's like each career path or industry is a pie with so many different slices. And the mistake that we make is we follow the advice of follow your passion. And you know, if I could give another TED talk, it'd probably be stop following your passion because I'm passionate about cupcakes, but I'm not meant to be a baker. I'm passionate about fashion, but I'd be a horrible designer. You know, there's a big difference between being a consumer of something. Like I love consuming politics. I read The Economist. And then being a producer of something. Like I love consuming films, but I'm not supposed to be a filmmaker. So I think that disconnect wasn't really communicated. And there's really two dynamics in your career, I believe. The first one is the what. And in the first part of my book, The U-Turn, I talk about your core skill set because that's really how you spend your time. That's how you're harnessing your energy throughout the day. So, you know, you'd mentioned giving a few examples. A few of my core skill sets are words, service, coordination, analysis. So if words is your core skill set, your money is going to be tied to them in some way. Your day should be tied to it in some way. I would say 60 to 70% of your time should be harnessing your core skill set because that's where your ROI is. And, you know, obviously, if I go through my whole list of 10, everybody's going to resonate with two or three core skill sets. I mentioned service. So that's the humanitarian for the helpers. This one is interesting because what it brings up for me is really asking yourself is service my core skill set or was I in my family a people pleaser and I was taught to be this way? I have a friend who she lost her parents at a really young age and she had to take care of her siblings and she picked coordination as her skill set. Like, you know, and, and coordination for me is like a project manager, operations person. And it made sense she picked it because I thought, well, you've been running your household since 15, but is this really your gift or is this somebody you had to be? And what so you've learned. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So these questions are much deeper than which one are you? It's, it's where do you really excel? And you know, kind of like my job in the preschool, it's like I found a way to use words because words find me. And there is something that finds you. And if you don't know what core skill set you have, and you take a look at my list in the book, it's like ask people around you, when have you seen me at my best? Ask a couple colleagues. And what we'll see, well, and you know, so much research. I mean, I was reading in a marriage book that your friends tend to know, according to the data, more than you do if you're headed for a divorce. And it feels kind of the same for your career. It's like people around us are neutral observers. They can see someone in their gift because what's easy and obvious for us is probably not easy and obvious for other people. 
sorry to interrupt you, but it's got a lot to do with what you said earlier on. It's like, because it's something that I always used to say with my patients when I was practicing, and I've said a lot of times as well, is that you, you can, you learn, you have to learn certain skill sets, as we know, to survive. But so you may have to learn to become a good presenter because of the job you're in requires that you do presentations, but it may not be the, you know, really what you love to do. So you've got to go and we can get those so confused. What have you learned to do versus what are you, who are you? What do you love to do? What's, what's really grabbing your interest? And to try and find those. And there's always going to be the things you have to do. You can't get away from that. But if they're driven, if the majority of time, if I'm hearing you correct, is driven by that core set of what's, what's really drawing you in, like you said, the words, it's going to be so much easier to deal with the moments when you have to do, learn certain things that aren't really your favorite, but a part of. Then you can, they're more accepting. Otherwise, if that's what you're doing all the time and you're never satisfying that inner core, there's a dissonance that's going to occur. Yeah, I love what you're sharing because I think that everything in your career has a cost of admission. And I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've got to pay the tax of anything you do. And I feel like when I was listening to you, what came up for me was we are sold that we should love our work, love, which is a very strong word. Yeah, it's huge, has many implications. a A lot of pressure. The amount of people who have come in and said, can you coach me on my career? I love my job, but it's missing a few things. It's like, I don't know, like my partnership, like I love my partner and he's not perfect and I'm not perfect, you know, or like two little perfect people bopping around together. It's the same thing with your career. And so I would say that's the power of the core skill set is really getting back into connecting with who are you as a gifted person? Where are your gifts best used which gift do you have it's really natural for you that you can up the volume on and and then the question that i get a lot is should i stay or should i go and i bring this back to core skill set the question is are you harnessing your core skill set do you know what your core skill set is and are you sharpening it are you growing it are you spending at least most of your day in it and if not then it makes sense to consider maybe you need to go because Your core skill set, I think, is what you can carry with you throughout your career and hone in on. And it's not like one skill set lends itself to one job. I mean, for example, that's very I, good. That's very good because I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but yeah. that's a very good point because very often when people talk about core skill sets, they talk about more, you've taken verbs literally, and you've taken areas as opposed to areas, even though technology use the word technology, but you've taken not even words, you've taken almost like philosophies versus versus very often in, in career guidance it's very much you know very specific like you know teaching nurturing whatever like nurturing is also a verb but you've taken more philosophies as opposed to hardcore skills and that's that's important because it, it, it opens the door to then applying it across a lot of different careers as long as that's being satisfied in you is that that's what if I hear you correctly, you're trying to say find the the way that you think almost the, the sort of mindset, the approach, or think, feel, choose manifestation. And like your friend, your friend, it was coordination, but was coordination her real corset, or was she had to do that? What was did she end up staying in coordination, or did she shift? No. No, her actual core skill set was innovation. Um, okay, so there we go. So creating. So she had learned. So it was innovation that it enabled her to then do yeah, coordination. She's very visionary. Exactly. And so now she works at a startup and she spends most of her time in the bigger vision of where the company's going. And she's an executive there, but she used to be in coordination. So she was like a chief operating officer. She was exhausted because that's what happens is when your responsibilities, when the what of your career, your skill set is not right, you're exhausted. And then the second piece of your career. And that's mentally devastating, mental health impacts, depression, anxiety, et cetera. Oh, I believe it. And I I think the second half is probably so much more mental health focus, which is the how of your career. So given that we know more than 50% of people leave their job because they don't like their boss, what we know to be true is that how your job looks matters just as much as what your job is. And so I like to start with the what and say, what's your skills? And as we talked about, there's many different pies. So if you lead with your interest and you say, I want to be in fashion and the slice of the pie you take is you're you know, in communications for a fashion brand, but you're not really a good writer or a words person, you're in the wrong skill set. You're eating the wrong slice of the pie. People tend to say, oh, this pie tastes bad. I'm going to throw it away. When really it's like, oh, no, no, you're just a couple millimeters off. That's the rerouting thing. Mm-hmm. If you got to reroute and you need to get into your skill set. But the second piece of the puzzle that keeps showing up that I think gets people really astray is in how they 
work. And that comes back to your core values. And I know you've probably talked a lot about this because it's such an important topic. And one thing that I find is really missing around the conversation of core values is in the guidance of how to choose them. Because what happens is that most people say, maybe they'll look at a list of core values. I have one in my book and it'll you know be like family, balance, friendship, connection, fun, freedom, whatever. They'll pick words, but the words will be aspirational. There'll be words that are things they hope they are or they want to be more of. Mm, or they not- think they should be because that's what society dictates or family or culture or belief systems. Exactly. And they don't pick words that are who they innately are. And I think, you know, you have a core value when like, for example, the other day I was just kind of morose. I had a lot going on and I was just quiet and a friend came over and she's like, you don't feel like you. And the reason she said that was probably because one of my values is humor. And even though I'm quite content rich right now and like talking to you all serious, I'm, I'm a joker and I really have fun. And if people sit with me that know me for more than an hour and there's nothing playful happening, something's wrong. Like I'm just not a serious person. And that's a core value for me is humor or being playful. And that's when you know that you've hit a core value. So it's like really taking a look at a list, maybe picking 10 words that you think you really embody. Take note of the things you want more of in your life. That's valuable, something to work towards. And from there say, okay, what does this core value mean to me? And have a conversation with someone about it that knows you. Because I had a guy who was in one of my courses and he asked me, my core values adventure, what, you know, what does that mean for my career? And I asked him, well, what does adventure mean to you? And he said it was skydiving. And I was laughing because on my podcast, like recently I had a guest who told me that her core value was adventure. When I asked her what that meant to her, she said it was trying new restaurants. And so, you know, it's not just about the word. It's about how you hold the word, what it means for you, what it means to you, how you show up in that. And then you could take that. That's, I love that. And you could take skydiving or you could take trying your restaurants and say, what is the, what's the, what's the, what's happening in those two things? What is it about those two things? And you could then go from there. So there's a lot of journeying that you can do, a lot of associations and exploring you can do in your mind. I love that. I've never even thought about like even going beyond the value. Like, what does that mean? I do have a concept in the book that I open up with called core nature. And that's not about your skills or your values. That concept is about your kind of foundational energy that you bring to the room. So a good question to ask people that you know is, you know, how does the room change when I walk in? What kind of energy do I bring? And, you know, anybody would say I'm obviously chatty. (laughs) I'm people. I'm pretty free, like free with myself. I don't really have a filter. And so people will see that. And then you can say, well, what kind of career paths exist in that energy? Like maybe a real estate, a talent agent, like it's, it's energy. And so some people might be working in the right skills and maybe a, you know, the what is right and maybe the how is wrong. Maybe they value integrity. That's like a deep core value. And maybe their skill set is words and they're a salesperson, but they're selling something that they don't believe in. That's going to trespass on on their integrity. So it's it's important to know these values and the how of your career from a standpoint of saying, what questions do I need to ask in my interviews? Or if I'm an entrepreneur, what what ways do I need to set up my business so that my values aren't being violated or trespassed on and my core skill set is being used? So if you are able to get the what and the how down, you are so ahead in your career. Looking for a high-quality CBD oil that actually works? I highly recommend Ned, my favorite CBD company and one that I've been using for years. I have always struggled with sleep and nothing seemed to work till I tried Ned's Sleep Blend. This stuff is just amazing and so effective. I take a little before bed each night and I'm asleep before my husband Mac even gets into bed. Plus, I wake up feeling rested and not drowsy. I highly recommend signing up for Ned's North Star membership so you can save more on each order. With this membership, you will never have to pay full price again for Ned products, and all orders will be shipped to your doorstep every month for free. Plus, save 15% of every order with no annual fee, and you can cancel anytime. And when you sign up today, you also get access to a free one-on-one consultation with a holistic wellness coach. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Cleaning Up the Mental Mess audience. Go to www.hellowned.com forward slash Dr. Leaf.
or enter Dr. Leafa checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash Dr. Leaf to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. Link and details will be in the show notes. Yeah, that's really great. I like that. The what and the how. And then also there's a time frame involved in an organic process because the what and the how will look this way. And then in a few years time, they'll look this way and then they'll look that way. And it's to be able to allow yourself to grow. I mean, that's, I've been in my career now for 38 years. And if I look at just listening to what you're saying, one of the things that I've, I mean, I'll ask you that just in my own experience is I've allowed myself to grow. And if, if I look at the transition and the, the way it's been reconceptualized, my original, re- original training to where I am now. And it's the same sort of core values and everything that you're saying, but it's transition. We've got to allow ourselves that too. Otherwise we get stuck and get fearful of that change aspect. So it's that growth organicness of it. So it may be like this, but there's an organic nature to it. So it yeah. can, can you keep your mind open enough to, because an entrepreneur, to grow something and to be an entrepreneur and to get grow, have a growth mindset in your business, you need to see it, how it's going to be open to change, be open yeah. to this, this reminds me of the lily pads we were talking about. Yes, yes. I think we're always in transition in some way. And, and everybody just, I feel like, forgets that you're allowed to change. Like, you're a moving, growing organism. But the thing is, is you're kind of constantly calibrating with the universe around you. You're constantly in trial and error. And if, if you hold your career too heavily, it really prevents you from really making the right choice for you and getting in touch with yourself. And so mean these lily pads are transitional phases and i think when you're in between purposes you can get really messy because it gets tempting to hold on to something for the sake of having something Mm, and it Um, worked in the past so maybe it'll work in the future which is a big problem (laughs) yeah 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 it's like we are scared to not have answers and out of anxiety we choose new answers and the funny thing about it i mean it's just not funny but painful thing about it is that you think you're moving forward because you're like taking something and getting out of the thing that's not working for you, but you're actually moving backwards. It, it reminds me a lot of a friend who on her wedding day, she confided she thought she was making the wrong choice and she walked down the aisle anyway. I remember she so much pressure from her culture to be married. And I remember looking at her thinking it looks on the outside like she's moving forward in society. She's getting married. She's going to have kids. They're buying a house. But on in reality, who you are, truly who you are, it always wins. It always shines through. Eventually, mm, I like that statement. Who you are, who you truly are, always shines through in the end. It does because you can't, you can't suppress or hide it. Eventually, you get depressed or you, 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 know, you could tell me so much more about what happens when you're not being who you are. It's not a sustainable plan. And then eventually you're going to have to rip the Band-Aid. So the question really is, do you want to rip the Band-Aid and cry today? Or do you want to rip the Band-Aid and cry next year? And that's why in my book talk, I ask people the question, and even in my book many times, what do you know that you wish you didn't? Because it's just a question that brings people into the truth. Right I away. like that. What do you know that you wish you didn't? Expand on that. Yeah, I think that in living inside of everyone is, is some different truths that feel really inconvenient or feel really big. And being who you are in this world is painful. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of saying no. It takes a lot to maintain your uniqueness. You have you know, the, the gravitational pull of this universe, of your culture, of your quote unquote norms around you. It wants to pull you away from you. And so really looking at the question of what do you know that you wish you didn't is me saying to you, what are you avoiding? And I think in the corners of everybody's mind, there's always like a little whisper of something that they don't want to deal with. You know, in my case, you know, it was a medical issue. Like I recently found out I had Lyme disease and I felt like maybe I had it. Like it, I didn't have horrible symptoms, thankfully, but I just didn't feel amazing all the time. And it reminded me of a friend who had Lyme. And it, it was like what I knew that I wish I didn't. And I chose not to go to the doctor for so long. I know my friend who was walking down the aisle, what she knows that she wish she doesn't was she was marrying the wrong guy. And it's not until you can stop pushing the river that you get honest with yourself and you make that U-turn and you say to yourself, who am I? And what do I actually want? And it really starts with that self-honesty and it's, it's painful, 
But even if there's a lot of short-term pain, there's so much long-term fulfillment. Oh, I love that. No, that's fantastic. Ashley, where can people get this book? It's really great. There's a lot of really, I mean, I love the unstuck button. There's just so many great little, it's also easy to read. You know, you've got things like career field or job skill set. You've given a lot of little tables, you know, short little paragraphs. So it's easy to read. High intentions, low attachment. I, I, we should talk about that before we before we close. But where can people get hold of your book and get hold of you? And then I want to ask you two more questions. Yeah. Okay. So high intention, low attachment is my job hunt and life mantra. I, I like it. Yeah. You know, life is a numbers game. Like I said, I had to make 2000 phone calls and emails to get a few job offers. And if you're willing to pay the cost of admission, as I said, put yourself in the game, your career can be so exciting. And I think having high intention, like really involving yourself in something and low attachment is such a great combination. And whenever I tell people to network, I always say high intention, low attachment. Like when they're sending a cold email to someone they want to get in touch with, I always tell them, let the send button be the forget button. Like, don't attach yourself to their response. Don't attach yourself to that that's job. That's really good. Yeah. And so t- that's that. Don't attach yourself to the response or to the measurement that the world is given because there's a measurement. You need to, you know, watch what you, because you can get so disappointed and so upset and it can throw you. So I love that. Don't attach. That's really good. I mean, that's, yeah, I love that. And it reminds me of when I write up scientific papers, you can spend, 10 hours searching through different scientific articles to just understand and work out a concept that you're presenting. And then you write one paragraph and you can't think, oh my gosh, one paragraph out of, you know, you can't be attached to, I mean, that's a silly example, but it's kind of when, as soon as you were explaining that, I thought you're high intention. You've got to get stuck around. I'm getting the knowledge. I'm encapsulating it to get this particular, it's almost like you're filtering from the big to the small. And we, because we see the big, we want to have all these kind of big responses and that's where you can't get attached to wanting the big responses. You've got to be satisfied with this is was my this is why I did this. This is what I'm trying to gain out of this. Well, and you have to remember that if you're the kind of person that puts yourself out there for opportunities, like the high intention, you always win in the end because it's a way of being in the world where you're constantly putting energy out. And like my grandma Very told me, good. I like that. Knock on a hundred doors and nobody answers. Like eventually if your knuckles bleed, you'll get an answer at some point. And that's, so yeah really a game of grit. And as far as where you can find the book, it's everywhere books are sold. If Amazon doesn't ship to your country, Book Depository seems to be a good spot. Yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> yeah, you would know. And then my website uh, yeah. And yeah, that would be the best place. Well, and they can follow you on Instagram. Is What's your Instagram handle? Yeah. It's my name, Ashley Stahl, or my, my podcast, which was so uh, fun. U-Turn podcast. Oh, that's fantastic. As I've gotten older, I definitely have to be more careful when I work out, and I really take rest and recovery seriously. One thing I've started implementing more into my daily routine is collagen powder, and it has made the world of difference for my body. So much research has demonstrated that collagen can help with joints, mobility, improve sleep, and improve skin and nail quality. My go-to collagen is by Ancient Nutrition. Their best-selling multi-collagen protein powder includes five types of collagen, It is the first and only collagen on the market with clinically studied ingredients proven to help reduce joint discomfort as early as day one, improve fine lines and wrinkles after four weeks, and transform your overall skin tone after eight weeks. It's unflavored and dissolves in any liquid. I love putting a scoop into my coffee pre-workout. All ancient nutrition products are made from the highest quality ingredients and are rigorously and repeatedly tested for purity. Right now, Ancient Nutrition is offering 20% off your first order when you go to ancientnutrition.com. Right now and enter the promo code DRLEAF at checkout. That's ancientnutrition.com. Enter promo code DRLEAF for 20% off your first order. ancientnutrition.com. Enter promo code DRLEAF at checkout. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Now, what last question I have for you is how do you clean up your mental mess? This podcast is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So, and you've gone through a lot of stuff in your life. I mean, your sister, you've lost your sister. You have, you, you had that whole incident with your, you know, when someone threatened your parents and you, that you were kidnapped and you weren't really, you were sitting at work. And so you've had some quite major life experiences and, you know, career wise and everything. So there's been a lot of challenges that you've gone through and people can also watch your TED talks. You've got two great TEDx talks, which we can put the links to as well in the show notes. But how do you, with all the things you've gone through, that now finding out about the Lyme disease and all these kind of things. How do you manage your mental health? How do you clean up your mental mess? 
You know, what's so interesting is I've been in therapy for years and it is like, I, I literally sometimes see people, especially if they confide in me about a relationship they're in or, and I just wonder how do people do it without someone to talk? To? Yeah. You know, I, I just, I have to interrupt you there for one second, because one of the things with mental health is it's so hard for people to get to therapy because it's so expensive. And it's one of those things that the government should be funding that mental health is the, the mental health specialists are paid but that it's accessible that it's not so expensive and more accessible for people i just want to say that so yeah fantastic yeah, you know what i do think that there's some really innovative entrepreneurs they are right? they are it's starting yeah like i believe better help there's so many different brands that yeah have, better help and yeah that have more accessible even an insightful friend that you really respect you can reach out or you can create a group of friends that meet every month and you share with the intention of structure it's just about saying, like, I'm human and I need a place to process what's going on and get feedback from a safe group of people or a safe person. So, yeah, I've been that forever and I don't really see myself giving up. I Sometimes I'll show up. I'm like, I have nothing to talk about, nothing on my mind, but I'm here, you know, and I'm still going to be committed to that. That's amazing. So it's, and I love how you're saying that it's a way to process it. I love the fact that it's like get a group of friends together as well. That's because it's another type of, the whole thing is get it out, isn't it? It's to process it and to just be able not keep it in, just to be able to make sense of it all. Yeah. It kind of feels like if you don't process what is going on for you, it feels like a beach ball under the ocean. Like you're just spending all your energy pushing something down. And I can always tell when people aren't processing because they repeat themselves about sad things that they haven't really let the let move through them like my dad is somebody who is such a fun like exciting being and he's had a lot of pain in his life that he hasn't processed so sometimes it's like wow he's still talking about that thing that happened 40 years ago right now because he didn't process it yet and so i would wish for somebody to be able to connect have intimacy go deeper have fulfillment in your life and that really starts with saying what am i looping with what am I not cleaning up? What do I know that I wish I didn't know? Now, how did you, this is so wise and so brilliant because you're so right that if you haven't processed, we keep saying the same thing. It's like that hamster wheel. It's the same kind of way that you say it all the time. And how, how did you get to the point where you recognize the need to process the things of your life in therapy, talking to your friends and that kind of thing? When did you reach that kind of level? Was it young? Was, it in, was there an incident in your life that prompted that or was it just who you are? Yeah. You know, I think that there's a couple dynamics in the human condition. I'd, I'd love to hear what you think of this, but to me, it feels like there's the fear of the unknown and then your memory in your current situation. And most people will, are not willing to dive into the fear of the unknown until their misery in their current situation is so loud that life is hitting them with a two by four. And like I said, who you are always wins. So you're going to get hit by some sort of two by four, whether it's unfortunately like illness or midlife crisis or whatever, it won't face who you are. And so in my case, I think I had a lot in my life growing up. I had a mentally ill sister who it ended up killing her. And I had to go. So through, sorry. Thank you. I, I lost losing a sibling. You know, I called off a wedding. I was listening to me for five years. That was kind of chaotic. Lost millions. I lost millions of dollars in my first company and paid off debt over four years. Thought of that disease diagnosis. I mean, everybody has something. And for me, it was just so loud on a couple of occasions, like the loss of a sister puts you straight. But my hope for anyone listening to our conversation now is that if you've been feeling called to get some support and you don't want to pay for it because it's a lot, or you know, you look at maybe number one, just take this conversation as that nudge to go get some yeah, support. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And, and even with medication, you know, it's so interesting. I think in self-help, we're taught like, meditate, process things. And I know for sure that there's probably some people out there that have something chemical going on in their biology and maybe they have pride and they're not taking medication because their ego is stopping them. Or it's like everybody needs what they need and everybody gets to be supported however they need it. And I just, yeah, I want to nudge anyone who's listening to get that support. Yeah, the support is so vitally important. I cannot agree more. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. This has been a great conversation. I loved the discussion. It was such important information to help really help people understand who they are and how that can manifest in a career. And it's so important because career is where you spend so much of your life and it's where you get that sense of contribution to the world because it's not about you. It's about you in the world. That's what we see. One of the top 
quantum physicist, he always talks about the fact that it's not about you, it's about you in the world. And I love that. I love that statement because quantum physics is considered a science of uh, a theory of thought. And when you were talking, I was thinking of that statement all the way through that it's really because career really is an expression, what you're doing with your life. It's really an expression of how you enhance the world and how you are bringing back to the world. And you show people how to really find who you are to be able to to, you know, to verbalize and express that expression. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And it's been such fun talking to you. Yeah, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.